Hello, and welcome back to SciSection. I'm your journalist, Amy Stewart, for the SciSection radio show broadcasted on CFMU 93.3 FM radio station. We are here today with Dr. Marianne Korodzinski, a researcher at the Princess Margaret Cancer Center and an associate professor and director of research in the Department of Radiation Oncology. Thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Korodzinski. It's my pleasure to be with you, Amy. To get us started, give us an introduction of who you are, your education, and your career background. Sure, yeah, I, uh, I'm Norwegian. I, uh, I grew up in Norway and I did my undergraduate there and most of my graduate st studies there. So I um, actually started out doing an undergraduate degree in, uh, in biophysics, uh, physics engineering, um, which is something that I didn't think would lead me to where I am today, but uh, that's part of uh, the fun of life, I guess. Um, and so when I was studying medical physics, really, I, I just became very interested in radiotherapy and then I'm more and more into tumor biology. And so my PhD was, was more focused on, on radiobiology and the, and the microenvironment of tumors. And, and that's really a, a topic that I've um, kept close to my heart for the rest of my uh, research career as well. Um, during my PhD, I, which I did in, in Oslo, I, I also had the opportunity of visiting other labs. So I spent some time at McGill at a lab there for six months and, uh, and also visited uh, for a longer time uh, a lab in, in the Netherlands in Maastricht. And, and that's actually where I also went for my postdoc before I came to Canada in 2008. Uh, first as a scientific associate and then later as an independent scientist at the Princess Margaret Cancer Center. Well, we're very happy to have you here in Ontario. That's great. So like you said, uh, your research, which you do mostly about cancer, you guys really focus on the microenvironment of tumors. So what does that mean? And why is that an important aspect of cancer research? Well, you know, in, in cancer research, I think the, the main challenge or what we really want to focus on is, is something that's different in cancer and normal tissue. Because you know, a little bit um, tongue in cheek, I guess we say that it's not hard to kill cancer cells. It's hard to kill cancer cells without damaging normal tissues surrounding them. So what we really need to find are some, you know, unique features or some unique vulnerabilities that we can take advantage of. And so I've been really interested in the tumor microenvironment because there's many, many unique aspects of the, of the microenvironment of, of tumors that is, that is different in, in chemical composition, sometimes in cell types, than what we see in normal tissues. So, so this gives us some kind of opportunity um, to think about you know, understanding mechanisms of that better so that we could take advantage of that for uh, cancer therapy. And, and I can give you one example. So we've focused a lot uh, in previous work on uh, the feature of hypoxia, which is low oxygenation. And this is a very common feature of, of uh, human tumors. They have areas that are poorly ox oxygenated uh, through various mechanisms. They often actually have a, a lot of vasculature, but the vasculature is poorly functioning. So the delivery of oxygen is poor. And also cancer cells tend to use a lot of oxygen, so they use it up so that their neighbors uh, don't get any. Um, and this hypoxia in tumors is, is, is a problem because hypoxic cells are very resistant to treatment. But, it, but it's also an opportunity because it means that if we could, for example, find a drug that was only toxic to hypoxic cells, then that would present a, a therapeutic opportunity because it would not be toxic to normal tissue cells. Or if we could find ways of 
maybe changing the tumor microenvironment so the cells would be better oxygenated. They would not be as resistant, uh, again, with a tumor-specific um, effect. So, so these are just some examples of, of concepts that we can think about in order to take advantage of a very, very specific feature of tumors. And of course, a lot of people are focusing on, on genetic differences in cancer cells and, and normal cells, but um, in my lab, we are more focused on the, on the microenvironmental effects. That's very cool. It's nice to see that your research is really focusing on a potential treatment mechanism. Um, and I'm interested, when you guys are working in your lab, are you looking more at protein pathways, metabolic pathways? Like, what are you guys looking at specifically when you're looking to target these hypoxic microenvironments? Yeah, we have a few different um, angles, I would say, but, but I'm quite interested in the deregulation of metabolism that happens in cancer cells and uh, that give rise to many of these specific features of the tumor microenvironment. And so, um, so I don't know if you've heard of the hallmarks of cancer, but this is, this is something that we talk about in cancer research as being you know, specific pathways or effects that we really see very commonly changed in, in, in all human cancers. And actually the deregulation of metabolism is one of these hallmarks. And um, what's interesting is that that leads to some vulnerabilities and, and that's what we're really interested in focusing on. So, so on the one hand, uh, we have high oxygen consumption that leads to hypoxia. Um, and on the other hand, we actually have also a high production of reactive oxygen species. So this seems a little bit paradoxical, but because of the way that tumor cells reprogram their metabolism, they also make a lot of these reactive oxygen species. And these are things like superoxide or hydrogen peroxide um, that the cells need to protect themselves against. So, so in my lab, we're interested in sort of bo both of these two aspects of, of tumor biology. And so one approach we've taken to, um, to mitigate hypoxia directly in tumors is to try to reprogram metabolism again so that we inhibit how much oxygen the cancer cells are using. And so if they use less oxygen, it means that oxygen becomes available to the rest of the tumor cells. And so they're no longer so resistant against treatment. And so that was a concept that we um, demonstrated in, uh, in the lab and in animal models um, some years ago. And, and, um, and we used a drug called metformin, which is a very common actually anti-diabetic drug, uh, which does this job. And that has gone through some clinical trials now. We're just about to uh, publish some of the results. So, so we're quite excited about that and because it really looks like this very common and non-toxic drug may actually be able to help reoxygenate human tumors and, and, and then make them more sensitive to radiotherapy. So that's, um, that's one approach. And on the other side, where we're talking about these reactive oxygen species that we know are highly produced in cancer cells, we're trying to take advantage of the fact that that leaves cancer cells with some vulnerability. So they become really dependent on antioxidant pathways to deal with all these reactive oxygen species. So, so that's really a focus on specific protein pathways, as, as you uh, uh, call them, um, where there's certain proteins that the cancer cells are really dependent on for their survival that normal cells aren't really that dependent on. So an example of that is a protein called PRDX4, peroxyreduxin-4, 
which is the protein that metabolizes hydrogen peroxide. And so we have found that if you target this protein, you get a lot of cancer cell death and, and, and even in a very nasty cancer like pancreatic cancer. And that, uh, so that means that that protein can be an interesting new therapeutic target. And so we're looking at ways to, to find small molecules that, that could actually work as drugs against, against this particular protein. That is very cool. And it's exciting to see how many different pathways you have that you can work with these, these tumors just by manipulating its microenvironment and playing around with different pathways. That's, that's really cool. Uh, what do you predict for the future of your research? Will it be involved more in diagnosis or in therapeutic treatments? Um, well, I think it would be very, I think, you know, the work that we do in, in general, and I would say as a field, not just my lab, but as a field, um, I think would, will be very applicable to both predictive biomarkers as well as, as therapies. So, so coupled biomarkers with therapies. And, you know, this is, this is really the direction that all of us are going now in cancer research is, is more individualized treatment. You know, we, we used to, um, you know, make, make diagnosis and, and also prescriptions for therapy that was very population-based. Uh, and of course, to some degree, they still are, uh, where, you know, a patient would present with some, you know, some clinical features that would, that would, you know, um, uh, uh, send that patient for a certain treatment. And what we really want to do more and more going forward is to understand specifically in an individual patient, you know, what this particular tumor would be vulnerable to. Um, and so use much more targeted drugs than, than general chemotherapies, for example, that are really uh, poisons, um, and to use something that's very targeted to, to the specifics of this tumor. And so I think in, in, in my field, which is about hypoxia and also redox homeostasis, is that you know, the way we see this going is that you would, for example, assess whether the patient's tumor is hypoxic, and you would look at maybe even start a treatment and see if that changes. And if that tumor still was hypoxic a little bit into treatment, you know that you have a poor chance of curing that tumor. And so that I think is when you would probably go in with some hypoxia modifying treatment. So, you know, one example is the drug we worked on like metformin or other drugs that other groups are working on that could be hypoxia cytotoxin cytotoxins or radiosensitizers or metabolic reprogrammers. So I really think that going forward, we will have these pairs, you could say, of tests that we do to characterize a specific tumor and then matching that up to, you know, a treatment intervention, like, for example, something that modifies hypoxia, or on the other hand, something that takes advantage of a redox vulnerability. That's very exciting that you're leaning towards more individual treatments. I think that'll definitely prevent a lot of like bad side effects that come with uh, the current treatment. Uh, and it's exciting to see how you kind of funnel down from starting with one thing and then checking in with the tumor and to see if the environment is still hypoxic or not, and then adjusting as you go. I think that's going to be a lot more effective. Very cool. So for my last question, what advice do you have for undergrad and graduate students who want to or are pursuing medical research? Well, first of all, I, I would encourage them to, to stay on that path. I think, you know, it, it's a very, uh, it, it can be a very challenging path. Um, a lot of challenges associated with being in research, um, but also a really, really rewarding path. Um, and so um, I think one, one, 
what's one thing to think about is what we would like to learn, I think, from our research experiences, both in undergrad and grad. And because there's so much to learn, we learn about, um, we learn about a specific field that we work in. Uh, we learn very specific techniques that are useful to us in, in that field. Um, and, and these are all very valuable experiences. But I think even more important is to learn about scientific approach and how to really do good research. And so I would advise everyone to seek different experiences and see how this is done in different labs and really try to get experiences in environments that stimulate this kind of thinking. So for example, you know, why, why is this question a really important question to ask? Um, how does this approach or experimental design really answer an important question? How do we interpret these kinds of data? Where the, what are the limitations? All these kinds of um, really scientific thinking, I think, is, uh, is extremely important to, to um, develop uh, as a young researcher, uh, as much as things we tend to focus on, which is learning as many techniques uh, as possible. And I would say from my own experiences, I, I mentioned I, I actually visited three different labs during my PhD, which is quite unusual, but it was very formative um, because, you know, it could really show me how different the three different research environments were uh, and what, what would be strengths from, from all of those different uh, environments um, and ways to approach things. And so I, I would encourage uh, trainees to, to seek different experiences and, and think about these things and, and really develop their scientific skills in, in addition to their more sort of technical and tangible skills. Diversifying experience seems like really good advice. Uh, you're definitely gonna learn, like you said, how to ask those questions. And I think that'll lead to a lot more better science, uh, prevent misinformation, and that's really good advice. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Korodzinski. It was fascinating to hear about the work you're doing, and I'm excited to see the impact it'll have on subsequent cancer research and treatment. Well, thanks very much for, for having me, uh, Amy. That was my pleasure. That's it for this week of SciSection. I'm your journalist, Amy Stewart, and make sure to check out our podcast available on global platforms for our latest interviews.